Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never Give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. God, our Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy holy, righteous, good name, tells us exactly who will end up in the lake of fire. So, beloved, Let me share with you all a word from the Lord that a precious sister in Christ received. That would be to our spiritual edification to hear and heed to. Amen. Thus saith the Lord, my children, what will it take for you all to realize time is coming to an end? My children, so many of you do not understand the times you are living in. My children, so many of you do not understand that time is not on your side. My children, so many of you do not understand what is coming your way will indeed be death. My children, please understand that when the Antichrist is introduced to you, so many of you will worship him. My children, so many of you will leave everything you have ever known about me. My children, so many of you will be deceived into thinking he is the great I am. My children, I am going to allow it because of your wicked ways so many of you will spend eternity in the lake of fire my children i am warning you because i love you all so very much but i will not continue to do so much longer please understand my children you must repent of your sins you have committed against me. Please understand, you must seek me now 
while I may be found. Please understand, you must forgive your enemies. Please understand, you must worship me in spirit and in truth. Please understand, you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. Please understand, you must live a life of holiness, for I am a holy God. My children, I am returning so very soon. Shalom. Amen. Oh, beloved, listen. Today's message is so right on time. So let us get some biblical truth under our belts before we move on. Jesus answered him. John 3, 3. I assure you, because he was talking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee, who obviously was, was more concerned about being excommunicated from the synagogue. That is why he met Jesus at night. He and many other Pharisees, the Bible tells us, believed who Jesus was, that he was the Messiah. But because they feared being excommunicated from the synagogue, they wouldn't follow him. So at night, Jesus met with him and he was telling him, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. Amen. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Down in verse 14 of John 3, the Lord went on to say, Just as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the desert on a pole, so must the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. Amen. After physical death, will actually live forever. Verse 16. We all love verse 16. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. Verse 17, I keep warning you all, keep reading. Don't stop at John 3, 16. Verse 17, for God did not send the Son into the world to judge and condemn the world. That is, to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes and has decided 
to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord. Oh, beloved, that's key. That's key because many want Jesus to be their Savior, but not so much their Lord. Because being Lord means he owns you. We have surrendered our lives and will to him. What he wants, we want. Whatever he says is evil and shun from it, well, we do it. For lack of better words, he calls the shots. And rightly so. Oh, beloved, we must obey. So, where we at? Uh-huh. But that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged. For this one, there is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation. But the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal Savior and Lord is judged already. That one. Listen, my friend. If you have rejected Jesus Christ for whatever worldly, humanistic, unbelieving reason, you will perish for that decisive act. The Bible tells us of many sins, namely, we will get to those verses. The Bible tells us of many sins that we can receive forgiveness of, but you got to come to Jesus Christ. Real quick, the gospel is very easy. God in heaven, creator of the heavens and the earth, who was also God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he has made a way for sinners to be reconciled back to him. And that is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every last single person born in the line of Adam, which is all of us, we were born into sin. We were born with a fallen nature after Adam. Therefore, fellowship with holy God was broken. Humanity's relationship with holy God was broken in the Garden of Eden when Adam disobeyed God. It was Eve who was deceived and she gave some of that forbidden fruit to her husband, Adam, who was standing right there. Therefore, God prophesied in the judgment of Adam, Eve, and the serpent who deceived Eve 
that the Messiah will come. Century, centuries later, he showed up. Amen. And the first message he preached when he started his earthly ministry, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. God himself in the person of Jesus Christ came to the earth, walked, um, walked, among, mm, walked among men in the body of a man. His mission was to go to the cross and he was telling the people they must change their minds. This is what repenting is all about. Christ Jesus was laying down the foundation that through his death, his atoning sacrifice on behalf of humankind, he was going to die as a blameless, sinless, sacrificial lamb taken on the wrath of God in our place. God's justice demanded payment for sin. There's a scripture in the Bible, Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin. God is telling us what we can expect if we continue to live in open sin by rejecting Jesus Christ and living life on your own worldly, evil, wicked terms, he said the wages of sin is death. That means you will be eternally separated from God when you die. You will go straight to a burning hell only to wait the final judgment. Now, verse uh, chapter Romans 6, verse 23 also has a promise in there. Because see, the bad news is you going to hell. The good news is that the free gift of e the free gift from God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Yes, Holy Spirit, in that one verse is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He lived, he died. On the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. Christ lived a sinless, perfect life when he walked this earth as a man. He was, he was totally obedient to the Father. He did something that no man born under the laws of Moses was ever able to do. He kept every last single one of them laws, every jot and every tittle. Christ 
fulfilled it completely. Therefore, he willingly went to the cross to die for our sins. God was pleased. So much so that he raised Jesus from the dead three days later by the power of the Holy Ghost. When Christ Jesus' blood was shed on the cross, what we couldn't see was that in heaven, his blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat of God. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. And because of that mercy, we who come to Christ Jesus to be saved, saved from what? The wrath of God. We come to him so that we don't get the punishment we rightly deserved. Death, eternal separation from God in that lake of fire. Therefore, when you repent, you must repent in order to receive the free gift of salvation. So what does repentance truly looks like it is it is simply changing your old way of thinking turning from your sinful evil ways and and living change lives in Christ Jesus in a nutshell it is you doing a 180 degree turn in your mind. No longer do you think sin is the big time fun and to be had by all. No, no more. You turn from that and you turn and go to God so that he can save you by what his son Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. The bad news is that we were all sinners, damned to eternal destruction. But because of Christ Jesus, atoning sacrifice on our behalf, we can be saved from the wrath of God. Christ Jesus will come again one day. When? We don't know. But we have been given signs of his return. So in the meantime, in between time, we find out what pleases God who had mercy on us. And by his grace, we have been saved when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so how do we live in the meantime? Whether Christ returns or we go by the way of the grave, the Bible tells us 
how to live in the meantime and between time. We live lives in appreciation for what he has done for us. We live lives like Christ in obedience. Now that we have been justified, there was nothing we could have done to be justified, but by simply in repentance coming to God in faith. We are now being sanctified by his Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit so that he can gut out the world in you. Gut it out. Now, I know some of my Bible scholars out there can give you a whole dissertation in theology about what I just said. But the bottom line is that the Holy Spirit guts the world out of us so that we can obey Jesus Christ without grieving Holy Spirit, without bucking up against righteous holy living, our response to the work of the Holy Spirit is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So I want to go to the book of First Peter. Over here in First Peter chapter 3, if we come down to verse 18. For indeed, Christ died for sins once for all, the just and righteous for the unjust and unrighteous, the innocent for the guilty, so that he might bring us to God. Having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and preached to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient when the great patience of God was waiting in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, Noah's family were brought safely through the water. Amen. Corresponding to that rescue through the flood baptism, which is an expression of a believer's new life in Christ now saves you. Amen. Not by, because I know a lot of people believe baptism is the gospel as if being baptized is what makes you saved. No, it's about to tell us. It says baptism, which is an expression of a believer's new life in Christ, now saves you not by removing dirt from the body, but by an appeal to God for a good, clear conscience demonstrating what you believe to be yours through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. That is the place of honor and authority with all angels and authorities and powers made subservient to him. Amen. Glory be to God. So, my friend, that's the good news. The bad news, we were on our way straight to a burning hell as we await the final judgment, only to hear how our names are not found in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 20.15 says, Whosoever, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The Bible tells us this is the second death. There is no coming back once you die. That's it. We get one life to live. Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto men once to die. And after this comes the judgment. There is no place called purgatory. It does not exist. There will be no reincarnation. You won't be coming back as a butterfly, my friend. You won't be coming back as some other object, creature, emotion, whatever. You get one chance to live as a human. And after that, the judgment. The good news is that we don't have to go to hell. We don't have to live in hell and then go to hell. No. Listen, I'm going to read you something else from Peter. He tells us also how we are to live in the meantime. Because listen, this world is coming to a crashing end. It is going to be burned up in fervent heat when Jesus returns. Listen to this, my friend. Second Peter chapter 3, starting in, let's see, verse 3, okay? Because this is all about the coming day of the Lord. First of all, know without any doubt that mockers will come in the last days with their mocking, following after their own human desires and saying, where is the promise of his coming? What has become of it? For ever since the fathers fell asleep in death, all things have continued exactly as they did from the beginning of creation. For they willingly forget the fact that the heavens existed long ago by the word of God and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed by being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire 
being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly people. Amen. Nevertheless, verse 8, 2 Peter 3, do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. Listen to verse 9. The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act and he is not slow about his promise as some count slowness but is extraordinarily patient toward you not wishing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance amen listen up my friend it does not bring god glory and a smile on his face that people are perishing he wants us to come to repentance he doesn't want you to perish but you will if you make a decisive choice to reject the only one that could have saved you, Jesus Christ. The Bible also tells us that this world who is under the influence, under the sway and ownership of Satan, they don't believe none of this. They don't believe God exists. They don't believe Jesus died for their sins. They don't believe in the cross. They don't believe in the resurrection. They only believe in three temptations. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Christ Jesus says this world hates him because when he shows up, he exposes sin and they want their darkness more rather than the light, Jesus Christ. Amen. So back over here in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will vanish with a mighty and thunderous roar and the material elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and the works that are on it will be burned up. Amen. So Peter is about to tell us, since we know all of this is going to go down, how do we live? Verse 11, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be in the meantime? In holy behavior. Amen. That's how. That's how we are to live in the meantime. In holy behavior. That is in a pattern of daily life that sets you apart as a believer and in godliness. Amen. He's telling us how we ought to live in the meantime, in between time, in holiness 
and godliness, displaying profound reverence toward our awesome God. Amen. While you earnestly look for and await the coming of the day of God. For on this day, the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the material elements will melt with intense heat. But in accordance with his promise, we, we who, we who follow the Lord, expectantly await new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Amen. I love verse 14. 2 Peter 3. Oh, I love verse 14. So, beloved, since you are looking forward to these things, be diligent and make every effort to be found by him at his return, spotless and blameless in peace, that is inwardly calm with a sense of spiritual well-being and confidence, having lived a life of obedience to him. Amen. Oh, my friend, this world tells you, you don't have to live clean and holy. We all are good people. We all going to somehow make it to heaven. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in Romans, what is this? Romans 3. Let me read this to you. It tells us none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Amen. Listen, my friend, in the sight of God, all of your quote unquote good works, they are nothing but filthy rags because all he wants to see is the blood of Jesus on you. So it don't matter how many cats you rescue from a tree. It don't matter how many fires you put out. It don't matter how many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches you give to the homeless. If you are not found in Christ Jesus when he returns or you die, you will go straight to a burning hell. Amen. That's the word of God. This is not me judging you. This is not me condemning you. This is not me thinking, oh, I'm just so misperfect. Oh, no, no. Let me assure you. But we got the memo. God ain't playing with that lake of fire. All we have been called to do is to warn you. Judgment day is coming. You must be ready. Because for those who are not ready... When Jesus returns, it's going to be like a thief in the night. But for those who are ready and waiting for him, that day won't come 
like a thief in the night for us. Why? Because we have been living lives, according to the Bible, righteous and, and godly, so that with a good, clear conscience, having lived a life of obedience, we welcome our Lord. We welcome death because that's when, as you want to say, the party of eternal life really gets started. This life is nothing but a vapor. You are here and then you are not. You live and then you die. It's what comes after death that we need to be more concerned about. Eternity awaits for us all. It is in eternity that your soul will live forever, either in the kingdom of God or in this lake of fire. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So let us not mock the delaying, the tarrying of the Lord. Think of it as his patience toward us. This is salvation. Look at verse 15 and consider the patience of our Lord, his delay in judging and avenging wrongs as salvation. That is allowing time for more to be saved. Amen. So again, this ain't the time to be talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I heard that. I heard Jesus is coming back where he at. Listen, it is to your spiritual well-being that he is delaying, giving us time to repent but just like in the days of Noah, eventually the door to the ark will be shut by God and only those inside will be saved from his judgment. A precious sister in the Lord always says that God is not into numbers. Out of all the people who were on the earth, in the days of Noah, only eight, the Bible just told us, only eight people, people were saved from God's judgment when he flooded the entire world. So Christ tells us in the Gospels that when he returns, it shall be as it was in the days of Noah and lot. So that tells my little brain that a whole lot of people are not going to make it into the kingdom because Christ said as much. Matter of fact, let's go over there where I want to go. I want to go to Matthew. I want to go to Matthew 7. Uh-huh. Yep. Just so we are all clear. Down here in verse 13. 
the Christ is telling us again how we need to follow him and how we need to live. It's not complicated. It's only complicated because people want their filth and their wicked, evil ways more. And what's so disheartening are those who claim Jesus is their Lord and Savior, but they too are still living like a sinner. So, Matthew 7, 13 to 14, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life, and there are few who find it. Amen. You want to know why? Hmm? You want to know why only few people find that path? Number one, it ain't easy. And it's very difficult to stay on the path that leads to eternal life. So down in verse 24, I love Jesus' parables because he used everyday things in the environment to teach spiritual truths. He's now given us a parable about these two foundations. So, in verse 24, Matthew 7, So everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man, a far-sighted, practical, and sensible man who built his house on the rock. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the rock. He, this rock he's talking about is himself. Glory be to God. And the rain fell and the floods and torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. Yet it did not fall. Mm. This house that Jesus is referring to, that's us. That's that spirit, this, this life of ours. He's saying that when rain comes and floods and torrents comes and winds blow and slam up against us, he's talking about life. When temptations, pressure, persecution, trials, and tests, sin, when all these things come against us, unless we are grounded in him, we ain't going to make it. It is wise 
although all these things are coming against us, we hang on to Jesus. Nonetheless, we ain't giving up on him. Listen, get this into your thinking, beloved. He is the only one that can save you. No one is coming to save us. No one is going to be nailed to a cross and die in our place and take on the wrath of God. You want to know why? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Because everybody has sin in them except Jesus Christ. No one could pay our sin debt for us. You want to know why? They too are in sin. This is why we know it is of the devil when any person puts on a robe and a white collar and sits in a booth and demands you call them father and you go to them so that they are mere mortal who is steeped in idolatry, sin, witchcraft, sorcery. We go to them so that they can forgive us of our sins. Well, who is forgiving them of their sins? And you all can forget the satanical theology about that Roman Catholic pagan synagogue of Satan church. God has not authorized no mere mortal to forgive sin. Only Christ Jesus can. Do not be deceived. No mere mortal can forgive you of your sins. What they can do is point you to Jesus Christ so that he can forgive your sins. What they ought to be telling you is to repent. Stop sinning. Go to Christ Jesus so that he and only he can forgive you of your sins. Oh, beloved, be not deceived. So back over here, where are we at? Matthew, what I say, Matthew 7? Yes, down in verse 24, Christ was, was telling us about the first foundation. The rain fell <clears throat> and the floods and torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. Amen. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish, stupid man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods and torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great and complete was its fall. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for your mercy. So 
What we talking about today, well, who will end up in the lake of fire? Because let me tell you again, God knows exactly who will end up in this lake of fire. Amen. Listen, Acts 17, 30 to 31. This is why the Lord God wants us to come to repentance. Acts 17, 30 to 31 is about to tell us why. If we don't hurry up and get on board, just like in the days of Noah, eventually the ark will be completed. At the right time, the Lord will return. And he's coming. He ain't coming as a babe in a manger to save his people from their sins. Oh, no, no, no. What always arrests my spirit is when I read 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 9. Because at the tail end of verse 7, it's telling us how when Christ returns with his angels, verse 8 stops me cold in my tracks. So if I even think about willfully sinning, this verse comes to me immediately in flaming fire. That's how Christ is coming back. So that alone tells us he ain't playing in flaming fire, taking vengeance. Again, that stops a person who is serious about their salvation in their tracks, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel. How does one obey not the gospel? They simply say no. They go on and live in wickedness, disobedience, and, um, just lost my thought. Wickedness, disobedience, and rebellion. That's how you not obey the gospel. You say no to what Christ has done for you. In your steed, on your behalf, he took on the wrath of God that was rightly deserving of us because Christ was sinless. He was perfect, the innocent for the guilty. So you say no to the gospel, you are saying no to heaven. That Yes, Holy Spirit, make no mistake. There, listen, the Bible is clear. It tells us, there is no other name given to man by which one can be saved. Only Jesus Christ is not Buddha, is not Harry Krishna, is not any Mormon, is not any monk, is not any Hindu pagan god. 
It's not through the Roman Catholic pagan church. It's not through any denominational church. It's through no one but Jesus Christ. No other savior is to come, my friend. So, where were we? Yep. And that obeyed not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? Amen. Can't you see why holy God is calling all men to repentance? It is not his will for any to perish, but you will. You keep rejecting this gospel that has the potential to save a sin-sick soul, and you say no, you want your filth and your darkness more, well, you're going to perish. Yes. So, Acts 17 30 to 31 is telling us why there's an urgent call being heralded throughout the world. God overlooked and disregarded the former ages of ignorance, but now he commands, commands. He's, he's not asking if you could you, would you, it would be so pleasing to heaven. No, he commands all people everywhere to repent. That is to change their old way of thinking, to regret their past sins, and to seek God's purpose for their lives. Amen. Here we go. Verse 31. Because he has set a day when he will judge the inhabited world in righteousness by a man. Capital M. So we know Jesus Christ will be judged on judgment day whom he has appointed and destined for that task. And he has provided credible proof to everyone by raising him from the dead. Amen. Told you that would be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, who is still alive after his resurrection some 2000 plus years ago. He is right now sitting at the right hand of God, the father in heaven, making intercessions. For the saints. Thank you, my Lord and Savior, for my salvation. Listen, the Bible tells us that God is love. He is patient, long-suffering, full of mercy, loving kindness, grace, and compassion. Amen. But I'm here to tell you as a witness of his mercy. He's not playing with that lake of fire. And some of you have no fear of the Lord. Mm -mm. That is because the false church promotes a feel-good God. 
that you can disobey and he will turn a blind eye. Just like the blind leaders are turning a blind eye to your sin. These apostates and wolves in sheep's clothing devise their own man-made plan of salvation that flies in the face of holy God. Well, I'm here to bring by the grace of God the truth because I am not the only one pointing us to this fact. It's not only a fact, but a biblical truth stated in Isaiah 50 verses 10 to 11. Who is among you who fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant, yet who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust and be confident in the name of the Lord and let him rely on his God. Amen. Verse 11. Because my friend, this verse right here, verse 11 is about to let all of us know the God in whom we serve. And he is no one to play with, let me tell you. Because you see, it's verses like these that keep me filled with sobriety, awe, and fear, and profound respect. So if we are not willing to obey Jesus Christ, when he's telling us to let us trust and be confident in the name of the Lord and to let us rely on his God. And if you refuse to do that, look at verse 11. Okay. Listen carefully. All you who kindle your own fire, devising your own man-made plan of salvation who surround yourselves with torches walk by the light of your self-made fire and among the torches that you have set ablaze oh beloved listen if you think for one skinny moment that we could get on in this life without Jesus, if we can sit up under these apostates, whom at one time was, were on the right path. Jesus actually sent them. But guess what? They got corrupted along the way. Second Peter 2 tells us what happened to these apostates. They followed in the footsteps of Balaam. They went chasing and whoring after filthy lucre and they got caught up in the system of church. Yeah, so if we continue to sit up under them, sit up under wolves in sheep's clothing who come up with doctrines of devils, these self, how it says, self-made you know what I'm saying? Man-made plans of salvation. 
especially that damnable once saved, always saved, all of this prosperity gospel, talking about good news that God wants you to be blessed, rich, never sick. Uh-uh. No, he wants you to repent. That's the command we just read. Thank you, Holy Spirit. No, he commands every man everywhere to repent. So if we continue to live by the torches that we have set ablaze for our lives, carving carving out paths that we want to take because we think we know more than God, okay, we'll look at what's the concept, look at what the consequence of living by the light that you have set ablaze, not living by the light, capital L, Jesus Christ. Oh, no, no. You are the ones who, who live lives that are built on sand. There's no stability in sand. Eventually, the tide is going to come in and you're going to perish. So, he says, okay, you want to keep living like that? Well, what he says here, but this you will have from my hand. And then there's a colon because he's about to tell us what we can expect. You will Ain't no wiggle room in that, huh? You will lie down in a place of torment. Amen. That's it. That's it, beloved. So, what we got going on today before I let you go? Listen, we who are born of God do not practice sin we don't make that a lifestyle because before i let you go i'm going to give you those scriptures i'm give you some scriptures where the lord tells us about lifestyles that if we continue to practice in those things listen to me don't even think about heaven don't even think about the kingdom of god what's truly on your mind is the lake of fire Yes, it is. Paul tells us in Galatians 6, where where he at? Galatians 6, verses 7 to 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Amen. You don't have to take my word for it. Go into your Bible. Go into your phone apps. Pull up these scriptures and see for yourself. Yeah. Because listen, those who truly are born of God, listen to what 1 John 3, 6 says. So don't get it twisted that we are self-righteous. We commit sin too. Because I'm telling you, the theme in these streets, you mean to tell me you don't sin? 
especially if, if you come in with this same teaching we doing today, telling folk if they don't stop sinning, they're going to perish. The response should be like it was when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost. The, res the, the right response should be, tell us, brethren, what must we do to be saved? And the first thing he said, repent and then be baptized. But oh, no, no, not some of these folk today out here in the harvest. Mm -mm. The first thing they want to claim, you mean to tell me you don't sin? We all sin. Uh-uh. Listen up. Okay. This is the truth. Now, I can tell you all day long, but look at what John is saying. Those who are truly in Christ, they don't make it a practice to sin. Because if we do sin, if we miss the mark, we know to go to God, immediately repent, confess that sin. Confess to God, I was wrong. Forgive me, you right. No liar. No fornicator, no adulterer, no homosexual will enter God's kingdom. Go to God, agree with him. You right. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, he is just. He's fair. He, he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you. This is sanctification in its highest form. Yes, Holy Spirit. He will cleanse you. And going forward, we sin no more. Because people can twist John's letters into a pretzel. Talking about, well, if you say you have no sin, then you are a liar. No. He tells us in chapter two, straight off the rip, who the liar is. The liar is the one who actually practices sin and say they have no sin. That's the liar. The liar is the one who says they know God, but they don't listen to him. That's the liar. When we, under the commission of the Holy Spirit, come out to herald this message we got the plank out of our eyes listen christ is not going to send forth hypocrites to herald his message because if you even try to he's going to deal with you matthew 7 tells us lord lord did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many miracles, working wonders in your name? And Jesus will tell these deceived ones, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. So we ain't playing with this. Oh, no. Listen, 1 John 3, 6, no one. Who abides in him, who remains united in fellowship with him, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. No one, no one who habitually sins has seen him or known him. 
Amen. That's why Christ will say, I don't know you because you were too busy habitually sinning, talking about Lord, Lord. No. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us today. Little children, believers, dear ones, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one, listen, the one who practices righteousness, meaning what? The one who strives. See that word right there, strives? That's not talking about sinless perfection. This is talking about making an earnest effort. It is talking about aspiring, seeking, doing our best, doing all we can, giving one's all. We strain and struggle and apply ourselves. We go all out. We pull out all the stops. We fight. We battle. We combat. We contend. We war. We crusade. We campaign against sin. This is us. This is what we do every day. Listen, yes, Holy Spirit, this is so not about sinless perfection we talking about here. We talking about on purpose. Making a conscious decision every single day to not fall back into sin and end up in hell. That's what we talking about. We ain't talking about being so misperfect. No. We talking about if you don't straighten up and fly right, you going to hell. Because there's a whole heaven waiting for the righteous. And the Bible says Christ knows those who are his. Don't get it twisted. Do not let anyone lead you astray. We are back over here. 1 John 3, 7. The one who practice practices righteousness, the one who strives to live a consistently honorable life in private as well as in public and to conform to God's righteous. No, no. Calm down, girl. Calm down. Strives, the one who strives to live a consistently honorable life in private as well as in public and to conform to God's precepts is righteous just as he is righteous. Amen. See, we're not saying, well, I'm righteous because of A, B, and C. We are righteous because we follow Jesus Christ and we do what he says for us to do. He gave us his law. Love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. That means there can't ever be any wiggle room to slip sin in. Not when you're loving God with your whole heart. With all your mind. Your mind is not on the flesh. It is on eternity. 
and with all your strength. Yes, this is where all that striving comes into play. We push back sin. We submit ourselves to God. We resist the devil and he will flee. That's not self-righteousness. That's obedience. That's being a student of the word, finding out what pleases God and what pleases him is obedience in Christ Jesus. Amen. Verse eight, the one who practices sin, separating himself from God and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference or rebellion is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. To destroy the works of the devil. Listen to verse 9. No one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. Beloved John, just he's, he's telling us twice. Why? Why is it that we don't practice sin? Because God's seed, his principle of life, the essence of his righteous character remains permanently in him who is born again, who is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. Listen, and he, he's about to tell us that for the third time, and he who is born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin. Why? Because he is born of God and longs to please him. That's why. It ain't because we just so high and mighty and lifted up. No, it's because we long to please God and we fear him. Oh, absolutely. Where are we at? Verse 10. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are clearly identified. Colon. Anyone, anyone, anyone who does not practice righteousness who does not seek God's will in thought, action, and purpose is not of God, nor is the one who does not unselfishly love his believing brother. Amen. Uh-huh. The word from heaven is fear God and turn from your wicked, evil ways and turn back to God. Yep, I'm talking to believers and unbelievers today. So let me give you these scriptures. Then I'm going to let y'all go so you all can go and meditate on these verses yourselves. 
I'm turning to my uh, paper notes today. Hold on. Mm. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Or know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with men. Them are your homosexuals, if you didn't know what that meant. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. Them are your swindlers. I mean, those are your uh, slanderers. Mm -hmm. Nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Revelation 21 verse 8. But for the fearful, but for the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and fornicators and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part shall be in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Amen. Beloved, I'm giving us those scriptures that the Lord tells us exactly who will be thrown in the lake of fire. Amen. Because what's awaiting for the ones who endure until the end and live a confident, faithful, obedient life in Christ, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God awaits us. Mark 7, 20 to 23. And Jesus was saying, right, that which proceeded out of the man is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, comes what? Evil thoughts. Mm -hmm. Evil thoughts proceed. Fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, covetings, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness. Oh, beloved, that work of the flesh right there is sending many on that broad way straight to a burning hell. That's sexiness. That's nakedness. That's being very flirtatious and sensual and carnal and worldly, just having no restraint over sexual tendencies you just ooze with sex appeal well that's sin that is of the world no respectful man or woman woman of god should be parading around his people in nakedness mm -mm. we don't follow the fa the fashion trends of the world the world is leading many straight to hell. So lasciviousness and evil eye, railing, pride, foolishness. Jesus says all these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Amen. Yes, all those things is what defiles a person. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Romans 1, 18 to 32. 
but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or, or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Oh, beloved, listen. You keep wanting those lustful, sinful, demonic desires, God will turn you over to a depraved, reprobate mind. He is going to let you have your lust. He ain't going to strive with you. You you keep wanting all of this homosexuality and idol worshiping. He's going to let you have it. And we don't ever want to be in a place where, where God just turns you over. Oh, listen. What it says here? Where we at, y'all? Verse 24. So God abandoned them to do... Where we at? Romans 1, 24. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, okay... They did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Yeah, homosexual. You fall into homosexuality is because you are in rebellion to God. Yeah, that's what the Bible is telling us. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy, amen, of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other and the men instead of having normal sexual relations with women burned with lust for each other the bible says men did shameful things with other men and as a result of this sin they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved oh Love it. Since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God, well, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do 
things that should never be done. Listen, homosexuality is not a good thing. It is horrible. It is terrible. So is murder, lying, adultery, fornication, you name it. You keep living like this, God will turn you over to it. And when he does, he's about to tell us what your life will be like. Only to end up in the lake of fire. Listen, so... That is why verse 26, Romans 1, this is why God abandoned them to, no, no, come down, come down. Verse 28, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives, okay, here we go. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, mm, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception. Oh, beloved, what it says here? Malicious behavior and gossip. They are backstabbers. Oh, beloved, look at what happens when we live a life of rebellion to God. You're not going to be on easy street. This world can lie to you. Talking about love is love. Talking about pride day. Coming to our schools, dressing up like demons, men wearing lipstick, wearing carrying handbags transvestites you got whole curriculums teaching kindergartners that you you don't have to be a girl if you don't want to you don't have to be a boy if you don't want to and this world comes up with pronouns to highlight your how, how, how does the word says it your reprobation Oh, Lord, have mercy on us today. So they are backstabbers, haters of God. And that's the problem right there. Insolent, proud, and boastful. Listen, the Bible says they invent new ways of sinning. And they, diso and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. They are heartless and have no mercy. They know, verse 32, they know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet, they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Amen. This world without Christ is going to hell in a handbasket. Yes, do not be deceived. Come out from amongst this world and be saved. So we see in Romans 2, verses 2 to 3, and we know that God in justice will punish anyone who does such things as these. These what? What we just read. 
Do you think that God will judge and condemn others for doing them and overlook you when you do them too? Amen. So before we get up on high horses about how, well, you know, I don't do this and I don't do that. Okay. But some things you are doing just because you say Jesus is your Lord and you invited him into your heart, you think God is going to punish them and not you. Paul is like, don't be deceived. We all can still get it. So all of this nonsense about once you are saved, you are always saved. The Bible says we are only saved when Christ returns or we go by the way of the grave. Then we receive eternal life. Being saved is having eternal life where you won't die anymore. The fact that we will die, we have not received eternal life. We can know it and we can have it within us because we know God and we know the son. Jesus says, this is eternal life, knowing God. Don't you want to be in his presence for all of eternity? Then we need to repent and stop sinning. Amen. Let me give you all a few more. 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 10. Again, I'm giving you, all, I'm giving you these scriptures that, that shows us. Any person committing these things as a lifestyle. I'm not talking about how you, you know, you slipped up. No, 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 no. I'm talking about a lifestyle. This is what you do. This is who you are. You are a fornicator. Not that you had committed fornication. You went to God, repent, and going forward, you sin no more. No, you are a fornicator. You are an idolator. You are an adulterer. You are a homosexual. You are a liar, a murderer, a gossip, a heretic. Yeah. So we also know that the law is not made. No, no. We also know, we also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels and the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their, their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexual immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers and for whatever else. In case you say, well, I don't see what I'm doing on the list. Well, Paul got you covered. And for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine. Amen. Smoking weed is not sound doctrine. Smoking cigarettes, drinking like a drunkard ain't sound doctrine. Ephesians 5, 3 to 7 but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, 
foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving, for of this you can be sure, colon, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolator, okay, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So I don't know how much more clearer God's word can be about to whom he will throw in the lake of fire. Keep it up. No, don't keep it up. Repent. Stop the madness. Come to Christ and be saved. Be saved from God's wrath because he's coming in flame and fire. He ain't coming back as some baby Jesus. Uh Uh-uh. Forget that. He's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. He said to tell the people, thus saith the Lord, when he returns, he's coming with his reward. And he's going to give to every person according to what they have done, whether it be good or evil. He's coming back and we must be ready. We must be ready. We must be ready. Amen. So you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolator, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Yep, therefore do not be partners with them. Amen. Colossians 3, 5 through 9. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, colon, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, again, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Amen. Now, Paul just finished telling us this exact same thing in Ephesians 5, 3 to 7. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Empty words like what? Once you're saved, you're always saved. You have eternal security. Beloved, that's empty words. Because that gives one a license to live however they want. I don't need to repent. For what? I'm saved. Are you really? Yes. Who says so? The bishop. Do not let no one deceive you. That's all I got to say. So what did Paul over here? Mm-hmm. Colossians 3 verse 6. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now, you used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, colon, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Amen. 
The Bible is calling us to holiness, beloved. It's calling us to righteous living. Amen. I'm going to leave you with Romans 6, my favorite. Romans 6, 11 to 13, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Amen and glory be to God, Father. Thank you for your mercy in the name of Christ Jesus. I pray that all men everywhere comes to repentance. Oh, Father. We see in Galatians 5, 17 to 21, the 17 works of the flesh. Father, I know it is not your will for any to perish. You give us more than enough scriptures on holy, righteous, godly living. And if any one of us are so rebellious that we think we can live however we want, sit up under any church we want, dress how we want, talk how we want, we are going to be in for a rude, eternal awakening. The works of the flesh, because the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, I love Galatians 5.18. If you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Father, on the day of judgment, none of us will be with an excuse. We will have no excuse about how we didn't know what sin was. No excuse about how we didn't seek those things that please you, but rather we walked, we lived by the light of the torches we have set ablaze. Oh, Father, we live in a world completely manipulated by Satan, but we don't have to fall for his enticements. 
and temptations anymore. We have been bought with the priceless blood of Jesus Christ. This is why we cry aloud and spare nothing to warn the people, repent, 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 turn from your evil, wicked ways, times of darkness is coming on the earth. People will have to make alliances. It's either the Antichrist or the Lord Jesus Christ. I love it, Father, the word you gave our precious sister who shared this with us. You have given us so much time. Time is running out. If it hadn't already ran out, you know the day and the hour that Christ will return. That alone should propel us to live right. Right now. Not tomorrow I come to Christ. Not some other time. Today, you say, is the day of salvation. When we hear the good news, do not harden your hearts, but come to Christ so you can be saved from your wrath that is sure to come. Thank you for your mercy, Father. And I pray all who hears who hears today's message, that they repent, come to you, leave this world and all of its superficial, satanic, demonic values and come to Christ. That's my heart's prayer, Father. And I pray for the saints that they remain faithful to Jesus, sticking to his word, not to go back into the world, to get tangled up and enslaved by sin all over again. Second Peter 2 tells us that it would be better if we had never known the way of righteousness than to have known it and reject the holy command we were given to live godly lives. We are like dogs who go back to their vomit. It's like a washed pig going back to the mud. We prove the truth of those proverbs. Oh, Father, I pray for wisdom and discernment, strength and tenacity to keep preaching your word, doing what you called me to do. Oh, Father, thank you for boldness, strength, and vigor to keep going. Even when I see all the ills and the filth and the sin around me. Nonetheless, nonetheless, me and many others are snatching sticks from the fire. Thank you for your grace, your love, your forgiveness, and your mercy. Thank you for forgiving us, Father. 
bless your holy name. We love you. You are a good God, a righteous God, a holy God. You are the one true God. There is no other gods besides you. They all belong to Satan. We know who you are. We know who Jesus is. Thank you for Holy Spirit, our teacher, our comforter, our guide. Bless you, Father. I give you praise, honor, adoration, and all my obedience. To you be the glory, both now and forevermore. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, beloved. Well, there we have it. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Be not deceived. Come to your senses as you ought to and stop sinning. Amen. Amen. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Praise the living God. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.